Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 237 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week once again by the undefeated heavyweight slash cruiserweight prospect, the man himself, Mr. Hassim Rackman Jr. Hassim Jr., welcome back on the show. How are you? Joey, Joey, thanks for having me again, man. I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing real good. Uh, thanks for having me again on the show. No, that's this is it's my pleasure, absolutely. Um, it's, it's it's pretty much our show now, so it's you're like a piece of furniture now. Um, yeah, moving on to the to the two subjects we're going to discuss on this week's show. Um, another two subjects that that were suggested by Hassim Rackman Senior, the former two-time heavyweight world champion. Um, yeah, so the two topics I mentioned it on last week's show. Those topics being: Should fighters who have tested positive for PEDs be allowed in the in the boxing hall of fame? And then we're going to follow up with the second topic being should the only way you fight for a title be if you beat a top five ranked contender let's start with topic number one Hassim should fighters who have tested positive for performance enhancing drugs be allowed in the boxing hall of fame um in short no you know in short no however it, it, it's such a crazy sport you know with with you know a lot of different regulations it's unlike any other sport really because because all different commissions have got their rules it's it's a worldwide sport anyone can box anyone it's very different to the likes of um you know the likes of i guess soccer and i'm guessing probably american football stuff like that because you know these these teams don't play other teams in in a totally different part of the world very often but in boxing we're seeing guys you know box over here, British guys, box box guys from Nicaragua, from from anywhere, from China, all over the world. So it's it's a it's a very hard sport to 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 kind of to manage because a lot of these different countries, commissions, organisations, um, sanctioning bodies have all got different rules. There's no universal rules like there are in many other sports. Um, that's 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 a good and bad thing at times. But when it comes to the to the you know to to, to this topic here in particular, it's hard to say because there's a lot of guys that are under serious question. There's a lot of guys that would have been popped if the organisations were a lot stricter when it comes to drug testing and stuff like that. Over here in the UK, it's very very hard to get away with um, with those PEDs in your system because the 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 UK anti doping do a fantastic job over here. Um, but in places like Mexico in places like the US stuff like that in other countries it's not it's not ran as good as it should be and um, like I say boxing such a tough sport it's all season round as well it's such a hard sport to to keep a lid on and um, for that reason Hassim I mean we're not we can't really sit here and be judges and say we think that that guy juiced so he shouldn't go in at the end of the day it's all about if he if he actually did pop or not and if that's the question then um, again there are some brilliant fighters that have popped over the years. 
and and you you kind of think would they have been as good if they didn't you know if they weren't on the juice probably not but it's it's hard to know either way but you know if it was any other sport i think the answer would be a flat out no it reminds me of um, lance armstrong in in cycling you know so uh it's a tough one but if i had to say yes or no i think yeah if you've been popped you probably shouldn't deserve to end up in the boxing hall of fame which is a is a tremendous achievement but you know you don't really get nothing from being on that on that list you know your name goes down in the history books but if 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 you've won a world title for juicing your name's still in the history books it doesn't get scrubbed out of there a lot of interesting talking points on it hasim what's your take my take uh i think that uh if you get if you get caught using steroids i think that um you definitely shouldn't be allowed in the hall of fame i think that there should be uh it, it, that's definite. I mean, you get caught using, then you're out of the running for the Hall of Fame because these people who are in the Hall of Fame, to our knowledge, were not using drugs, performance enhancing drugs. But with that being said, I would I would say like like we talked about last week, you would probably have to get popped more than once, I think, to to disqualify yourself from the Hall of Fame because of things like um, things outside of the actual fighter's ability. But um, for the most part, my answer would be no. You shouldn't be allowed in the Hall of Fame if you if you've been caught using any type of steroids, any type of performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, so we're in agreement pretty much on that. But like I say, it's such a wild sport. Boxing is like no other, and it's very hard to contain everyone under the same jurisdictions because it's not that kind of sport. Like I say, the season uh, for boxing doesn't end. It's all year round. It's 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 universal, and any boxer from anywhere can box any boxer from anywhere, any place, any time. It's just just it's crazy old sport, and that's why we love it so much. Um, should the only way you fight for a title be if you've beaten a top five ranked contender? Um, I've got to be honest, when we talk about these and we discuss these topics, I never look at the questions and think before I start the show. I just literally wing it a little bit, and perhaps that's a downfall of mine. But this time here with that particular question, I thought of it just a couple of minutes before we went um, before we went live. And um, it, it kind of popped in my head. There's an interesting element here, because obviously in the top five ranked contenders, there's usually a different not always but usually there's a different five for the wba different five for the wbo ibf and wbc so it'd be hard to well i guess to, i guess the, i take that back i guess if you're fighting um a top five contender it's got to be within that same sanctioning body where the champion is that you'd end up fighting so that was obviously what was meant um it's difficult really because i like the system that's in place at the moment where you know, you've got to fight a top 15 guy, um, whether you're defending your, your, you know, your title for a mandatory defense or a voluntary defense, it's got to be a top 15 guy. I think that's fair enough, but, um, be beating a top five guy. I feel like it's harder, um, or it's easier, I should say, to avoid guys that aren't in the top 15 if you're a champion. Whereas, cause you've got a belt, you know, everyone wants a belt. But I think those guys ranked in the in the number two, three, four, and five spots. I feel like they they've got a lot to lose boxing a big risk guy. Um, you know, there's many boxers out there. You know, you, you're you you you're probably going to see yourself as one, um, Hasim. You know, 
who in the who That's wants right. to fight you? Who's ranked number one, two, three, or or four or five? You know, they, they they give you a shot there. There's a lot to lose and everything to gain for yourself. So it's easier for those guys to avoid you. Um, it's easier for them to avoid you than the actual champion themselves in some ways. You know. Yeah, I, that would. Um, I don't. I mean, my take on it would be I don't agree with that. Just because, of, like you just said, it would make uh, it would make getting a title fight even that much harder because the top five guys would know. Okay, well, I'm in line for my title shot. I'm in the top five, so I'm gonna just keep my top five position secure. I'm not gonna let the number six guy, or the number seven guy, or the number eight guy even get get a shot because I'm up here. Why would I give him a shot to take my spot? And um, I know that. Well, I don't. Uh, 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 I think that uh, <clears throat> there's been many, many upsets where a guy didn't, didn't beat a guy in the top five. For example, um, Andy Reeves just came off a, a win with, um, d- d- uh, what was his name? Demin- d- Dimitrinko. The, the, the tall uh, Dimitrinko. He just came off the one with Dimitrinko, who wasn't in the top five, and then knocked out the number one guy all around the board. So um, maybe if it was a top ten contender, if you had to beat a top ten, I would see that because it would be it'd be it'd be pretty pretty hard for ten people, ten different people in a sanctioned body to avoid you. But uh, if if you're uh, if you're uh, and looking at just to get one of those top five guys, man, those guys can avoid you, not answer calls, just 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 wait around for their title shot. So I would say I, w- I would disagree. And then um, I, w- I would say, I would say if it was top ten, you, be- you got to be the top ten guy to get a title shot. That sounds more, in a, it, it sounds more realistic. Something something that will work a little better. Yeah, and I just want to add a couple more points to that. We're both in agreement once again there, but you can just imagine these sanctioning bodies bringing out some kind of belt, like a number one, number two, number three, number four belt, just to make a bit more money for the for the for their for their own organisations. You know, you could imagine. Um, yeah, I'm fighting this guy for the number five ranked belt. You could just imagine that being a thing, which would be horrible. Actually, we don't need any more belts. Um, but another thing, you know, you mentioned there about beating even a top 10 guy. You know, we know how boxing is, and you don't necessarily always have to be the the 10th best or the 9th or 8th best in the world to be there. Um, you know, you can get into the top 15 rankings and in line for a world title shot um, two ways, really, from, um, from having a very good promoter, from having a promoter with a lot of money. Uh, there's there's all sorts of rumours there, you know, a lot of people have kind of paid their way to get in the rankings, and um, obviously by winning some of these belts, which um, they're, they're like regional belts that don't really mean you're, you're, you know, you're the best in that region, you know, for example, there's a lot of guys that are WBO European champions, they haven't boxed anyone from the States, and um, those guys are ranked, you know, right up there in the world, you know, and... Uh, they're, yeah. you know, they're they're in line for a shot. So there's two ways to get in that top ten, and even that top ten is a bit um, a bit hit and miss, really, in a lot of people's opinions. You know? Yeah, and mine mine is included in that. I mean, you got if you just look at the sanction bodies and look at their top tens, they could be there could be six to seven people in the WBC top ten that are not that are not in the WBO top ten. Maybe even. I mean, you never really know when it comes to that, so it's quite difficult to keep to keep track of that. Absolutely, and like I said, that's our two topics discussed. We've gone through 
pretty much everything there. Um, one guest to bring in. That guest is going to be the former, um, the former IBF bantamweight world champion Randy Caballero. So I'll bring him in in just a moment. But before we bring him in, Hasim, I just want to thank you once again. I think this is probably five or six in a row we've done now. I, I'm always grateful for your time and just chopping up. And I'm always grateful to be here. Yeah, just chopping up and um, and discussing these topics is uh, extremely interesting, not just for, for myself, but for our listeners as well. Um, there's been some good feedback. So, yeah, just before I let you go, once again, if you want to sign off with a message, Hasim, you're free to do so. I just want to wish all the Muslims around the world, uh, Ramadan Mubarak, uh, stay strong in this Ramadan, stay safe. I want to thank everybody for uh, continuing to support all your followers. I'm trying to get my followers up. I'm trying to hit 2,000 on Twitter. So if you guys can help me, follow me on Twitter at underscore Hasim Rockman Jr. Um, I'm trying to hit 4,000 followers on Instagram. So at underscore JR is, is my handle. And um, any support you guys could do with the follow, with the comment, it's all appreciated. I want to thank God. I want to thank uh, my family. I want to thank my sports marketing team, BDEF, um, the best sports marketing team in the world. And um, outside of that, man, you guys be safe, stay away from people, and uh, uh, continue to practice good hygiene and take care of yourselves. And we will open boxing back up. We're not going to let it die. Absolutely. And it's already great to see a couple of boxing events, um, um, you know, with the right safety precautions actually going on. Obviously, there was a card the other the other weekend in Nicaragua, I believe it was. And there's going to be a card coming up in Mexico. I think it's about mid-May. Former IBF super welterweight, former world champion um, Carlos Molina has got his own boxing event. He's going to be promoting and boxing on the bill in Mexico in May. So that's another one to look forward to. But anyway, that's everything. Like I say, it's now time to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF bantamweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Randy Caballero. Randy, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely, my pleasure. Believe me. So, first question, Randy. Um, what's your earliest memory of throwing a punch or putting on a pair of gloves? Ah, oh, man. I Growing up is, is, is all boxing, man. My dad, my dad uh, came from Nicaragua. And uh, when he came over here, he was boxing in the gym, and uh, he had my older brother, then had me. And as I grew up, man, it's always me and my brother always fighting. We would always put uh, my dad's boxing shoes on, go in the living room, big old shoes, and me and my brother just going at it with each other. And my brother was always bigger than me, so he would always beat me up. And he just toughened me up from there, man. And, and just, just growing up around boxing, just love, I fell in love with the passion the love of the sport, you know, seeing my brother, my brother was, was a beast inside the ring, man. My, my brother would, would hurt people, you know, with just one hit. And that's all like, man, I want to be like my brother, you know, unfortunately, my brother, you know, took a different route, never, you know, never kept boxing, but I followed through with it and just kept going, man. And luckily I've gotten to travel around, you know, a couple of places around the world and as well capture a world title that, you know, most fighters won't be able to say, I am grateful and thank God for everybody that was on my side. My team got me to to win a world title. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you've 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 got a real history um, of boxing in your family. Obviously, you mentioned your father there. You mentioned your older brother, and of course, your two younger brothers as well. It really runs through the family. Um, you boxed as an amateur. You were a very good amateur. Uh, I believe you had around about a hundred and eighty fights, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what was your highlight yeah, moment in the amateurs? 
like I, like I said, I've, we've, I got to travel, done a lot of things in the sport of boxing, you know, but one, one big memory I'll, I'll never forget is uh, when I turned under, under 19, it was uh, uh, fought for the under 19. And in, in that, that final fight was, was a very tough fight because I was fighting, fighting the guy that was the hometown of where the tournament was at. And um, that was when they first started doing the scorecards where the corner can see the score. So every time I went back to the corner, my ever, everybody was yelling, telling me like, Hey, you're down, you're not winning. You know? And I was like, shoot, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out what to do. So every, every round came, I pushed it, pushed it more, pushed it more. And, um, the last round I hit him with a solid punch and he had like fell back a little bit. And I, he- I hear my team run. So I start moving, trying to, trying to get away. And, um, and then the referee stopped said, you got a box. And I said, forget that, man. I'm going to try to get away. And, and understand the under 19, that's when, you know, we were younger, um, you know, don't make no money. They were, they were giving the champion a thousand dollars. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I pushed it through, man. I was, I was trying to get away and the referee looked at me and tells me, Hey, you got You got to throw punches. And I, at that time I was trapped in the corner, right in the rope. So I was, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stand here and just bang with this guy then. So I stood there and just started swinging. Boom, boom, boom. The bell rang, and I turned to my and, – and like I said again, the corner can see the scorecard. So by that time when that bell rang, my dad already knew I won. So I turned over, and I looked, and I see my dad just jump up like with so much joy. And I definitely just like ran up to him, gave him a big old hug. And I was like, no, nah, we did it. But I was thinking about, man, that money is mine. <laughs> Uh, I love I love hearing stories like that. You know, everyone has their own unique story, and that's that's an excellent. Oh, story. definitely. <laughs> um, did you? Because, like I say, you, you had loads of fights in the amateurs. Did you box anyone in the amateurs who went on to become a successful pro, a big name, perhaps? Um, I I think uh, yeah, I did fight Frankie Gomez. Oh wow! I don't know if you remember Frankie Gomez. Yeah, he's another what? guy who just yeah. disappeared. Just yeah, disappeared. Uh, yeah, man, and I I actually grew up with him. I I believe we did fight. Who else is? Oh, um, Roman. I fought a uh, Daniel Roman. Yeah. The IBF. I well, what I, he has the IBF. He just lost it in his last and, fight, but yeah. Oh, he just lost. Okay. Yeah, he's a true. Mm, yeah, but uh, as well. yeah. Great. Fought him, and then uh, man, I grew up around Earl Spence. I didn't fight with him, but I I grew up with around him. You know, we went to, uh, I believe, an international tournament together. Yeah. Um, man, there's just so many, so many names. Glenn Tapia. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few names, man. But uh, I, like I said, man, I, I met so much different people. Got to live with so many different people. Going through like training camps and stuff, man. It's just a great experience, man. I, I enjoyed every, every minute of it. Yeah, for sure. And um, obviously, you know, the Olympics only come around once every four years. Sometimes the timing can just be all wrong for people. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you you were unable to to attempt to qualify for the uh, for the 2008 Beijing Olympic Games because you were too young at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, did did you want to go to the to the Olympics as an amateur? Was it kind of you know sad to not have the chance to qualify? Well, at the time. It, it did because that's every every fighter's dream is to go to the Olympics and win gold medal. You know, Oscar did it. You got a lot of a lot of big name fighters that, that's done it. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard. We we those are things we wanna we wanna do and and accomplish that. And that was our first goal. You know, and unfortunately stuff happens. You know, we we can't go down the path. 
you know, you got to focus now, okay? Let's go. Let's go turn pro. Let's move forward. Now, I didn't, we didn't want to wait. I told my dad, you know what? I'm ready to go. Let's turn pro. And, I, I, and, and at the time, I was already sparring a lot of professional fighters, older guys, you know, so my body was just in the feel of it. I was enjoying it. I was able to control inside the ring, you know, and I, and, and, and I just loved it because, I, like I said, I got to spar Nonito. I was one of his head sparring partners, and I, and, and I actually was not even pro at that time. And that's when, when I was sparring with him. It's kind of when I was like, you know what? I can do this, man. I, I, sparring and, and fighting is two different things. But just, just the fact that how I felt with, with there, it was, it's, a, it's a mind thing. Right? To me, boxing is a mind thing. You let your mind control you. You're not going to be able to do it. You've got to fight to tell yourself every day, you know, you're going to keep pushing forward. You can do it. And, you know, I, I, I never gave up. And I want to ask, where did the nickname El Matador come from? I saw it's obviously a real cool nickname. Is there a backstory to it, or was it just simply? Uh, no, no, definitely. At the gym, you know, just the fact that you know, I love to mess around, move around the ring, you know, make my fighters miss. You know, the the El Matador, the Matador that messes with the bull. You know, they were we're in the gym one time. There, someone had said, "Hey, this is that's a cool name." I, we ran with that, and I, I loved it. You know, it's just just a random. I love, love the way it fixed with my name, <laughs> so we ran with that. Nice, a cool nickname. And like I say, the pro debut began in March 2010 at the Commerce Casino in California against Gonzalo Nicholas. You knocked him out in one round. He never boxed again, by the way. After that, that was his. That was his only fight. <laughs> um, do you remember much about that fight at all? Looking back now, Randy. Man, going back those moments, man. I, I those are moments I'll never forget, man. My first. You know, four fights were actually all knockouts in the first round. Yes. And, you know, I, those moments I enjoyed, especially that, that, that one. You know, one, one thing that I'll never forget, you know, right before I walked inside the ring, um, I'm, I don't know if you know who Julio Diaz is. Of course. He's been on this show before, I'm sure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, he was there at my fight, and uh, he was standing right next to me, and he was like, he told me, he said, hey, because I want you to understand something. All these people that are here are here to support you. They're not inside that ring to help you. He goes, when you're inside that ring, it's, it's killed or be killed. You have to go in there and you want, you, you want to hurt them. Sad to say, but that's just the way it is, man. He goes out here, forget about whoever's out here. Whoever's outside the stadium. Don't even think about they're here. Your, your mind thing is to rip this guy's head off. And ever, ever since then, that was my, my, my mindset. Every time I went inside the ring and I always remember him telling me, you know, that, that ever since then, like I said, every time I step in the ring, that's my mindset every time. And you mentioned that you won your first four fights all by knockout in the first round. Then you went on to win the next four fights all on points, which is bizarre. And then, um, you know, you won. That, that reason, that reason was because when, that's when I had signed with Goldham. After my four pro fights, the company I was with had, you know, financial issues. I, from what I was told, you know, they fell through or something with my management or whatever, they left. Um, when I, when I left them, I signed with Golden Boy. Well, originally I was first fighting at 118 in the beginning of my career. And I think as, when I got with Golden Boy, they had me in a weight class that wasn't even my weight. I was fighting 123. I was fight, fighting higher weight because they couldn't find nobody for me at a smaller weight. So I had to fight bigger. And that's when I, we had told him, Hey, you know what? This is not my weight class. I got to go back down to 118. So we stayed with 19, and that's how we won a world title. Yeah, 
But no, I just thought it was a pretty cool statistic. Four first round KOs, then four wins on points, then you won your next three. <laughs> yeah, I think that. You won your next three after that by KO, then your next three after that all on points again. So it was uh, quite quite a funny There's statistic. There's a pattern. <laughs> I yeah, see I've seen that as well. Never told nobody, but yeah, it's weird how you seen that. <laughs> Now, um, let's jump forward, though, to, to January the 11th, 2013, the night you boxed Luis Maldonado at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio. Obviously, Maldonado being a three-time world title challenger, he obviously had so much more professional experience than yourself at that stage. You were able to stop him in four rounds. Um, what do you remember of that night, and what did you take from that win? That was a good name on your record at that time, I remember. Almost definitely, you know, when I when I stepped to him, stepping into the fight, I was very confident, knowing the fact that I I, I had got to spar him before, you know, I've, I've I've sparred with him before, like I said, when I was an amateur, so I got the feeling of it, and and I was like, you know what, pros are totally different. I said, I, this I can do, you know, and I and I when they had said, hey, this is a guy, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I, he's a tough guy, he's a veteran, he knows how his tricks and and trades inside the inside the ring, he knows what he's doing, so you know, he's able to do different things that I don't know what, what's inside the pros, different tricks and trades. So, you know, it, it was, it was a different feeling and, um, you know, fighting him where like, you know, I was, I was just confident. I knew I, I was able to control him and do what I wanted to do. And being the fact that the way I finished him was makes it even better because not no one did. Yeah, like I said, a brilliant, brilliant win. And, um, you know, your performances seem to just keep getting better and better, really, after that. Because the fight after you box Miguel Robles, you become the first man to stop him. After that, you box Jesus Cruz, and you become the first and last man to stop him. No one's ever knocked him out since then. And then, of course, after that is where you go on the road to Japan to fight Kohi Oba. Um, talk to me about that. What was that experience like for you, obviously, going out to a place like Japan where um, it's a totally different world out there. It was, man. It, it was it was different because I didn't have my fan base. The fan base, when I went, when I walk into a stadium, I'm walking to the ring and everybody's just chanting my name, screaming, going crazy. You know, when I fought a fan I sold that place out. So it was just, everybody was just going crazy when I walked out. It was an amazing feeling. I go to someone else's home territory, you know, nobody but my corner by my side, and it makes it a difference. Like, oh man, like I walk in and you know they're just clapping for me. I don't hear no screaming, no nothing. It's like, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm it's just us against them. So you know, it was a great experience. I, I love being there ahead of time. The people there were amazing. Like I said, I would even take a trip over there just to go and and visit it because it's. I enjoyed it. I loved it. And um, you know, one thing I'll never forget from that fight is. Uh, after after the fight was over, we went to the locker room. I was changing up, and, and uh, Kohioba came into the locker room, and he came to me and told me, but he had someone translated, and he had looked at me in my eye, and he told me, he goes, uh, you shattered my dreams of becoming a world champion. I, c- I could never fight again. I'm, I'm going to have to quit boxing. I don't know if he did quit, um, but I, they had said that he had quit after that. And like I said, that that hits like, oh man, that's that's pretty messed up, you know. And everybody has a dream to become a world champion, and for him to come and tell me like, hey, you shattered my dreams, and I, you know, now you go win a world title. 
Yes, yeah, a strange one. Um, he he boxed one more time against a journeyman five months after uh, after the loss to you, but then that was it. He, he never boxed after that. Um, like I say, moving on from that. Um, by the way, again, Kohioba, he'd he'd been stopped once before. I think he was in the eleventh round. So again, you stop him. Very tough guy, man. Yeah, tough, tough guy. Tough guy. It was... You stop him in eight rounds. So the quickest man to stop him. Um, talking of tough guys. Stuart Hall, for me, one of the tough guys, especially at that weight. Um, you had to travel once oh, again, once again in 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 Monte Carlo, which is a tremendous place, by the way. Um, you know, brilliant, beautiful. Place. Um, but yeah, beautiful. for the for, for the vacant IBF bantamweight world title, talk us through that fight, the night that, of course, your your childhood dreams came true, Randy. Man, that uh, that that is that is an experience that. You know, nobody can take that away from me. I got to travel to over there. And like I said, another one where none of my team was there. I had nobody, just my corner team. That's all that went with us. And um, very confident I was I was ready to win a world title. All my, my dreams that I wanted to become world champ, I knew I was there. That's where I was at, and this is where I was going to get it. And, uh, you know, we, we did everything we could. We pushed hard for that, for that fight. And, uh, you know, winning that world title – against someone that, that is such a great fighter. I, I don't take anything away from him. He was tough. Came forward with everything everything I, everything he had. And, you know, when I had dro- when the first one, I had dropped him. I don't know if it was the first round when I dropped him. Um, when he got back up, I knew I was like, shit, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> so I just, we just kept fighting and fighting. And I, that, when I got hit with the low blow, you know, just all that was just boom, pushing forward, pushing forward. And I was like, God, I got I to gotta get this. Keep pushing forward, and uh, you know we pulled it off. And like I said, I take nothing from him. Was a tough fighter. gave gave me a run for my money, man. I had to. Like I said, that's why I enjoy this title so much. You know, being the fact that you know, yes, I was I'm a world champion. To me, I don't I don't see it as that. To me, right now, what I see is the fact that everything I went to to get to that point, I got to travel the world. I got to go through blood, sweat, and tears. All the the you know the effort I put inside the gym, like. All those is what means more to me than than winning that world title. You know, I I, w- I wouldn't take anything back from everything I went through to to get to that point. Yeah, it sounds like it's very much been a whole journey thing rather than just a one night thing where you know you 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 were you were labeled and the new. You know that hearing those three words. Oh, definitely. Um, Definitely. I, I want to touch on the, the Stuart Hall fight because, like I said, it was a brilliant fight. I remember the knockdown where he kind of walked into a jab and then you followed up with a right over the top. Um, yeah. But, but Stuart Hall, I had him on the show a, a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe four weeks ago, something like that. And um, one thing he said, I don't know if you're going to remember this, but he said that um, I think he'd spoke perhaps to your father or something like that after the fight. And I think someone had said to him that we really thought we were going to get you out of here in about three rounds um, because we watched your last fight and we thought it was going to be an easy night's work. That's what he recalled being said. Um, do you recall that at all? Not at all. Well, I know I know stuff was said back and forth, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I don't remember what exactly was said back and forth. But like I said, I, I never took him for granted. You know, I knew he was a tough guy. He was a world champion before. You know, there was a reason he got to that point. And you know that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that for granted. He had, I take my hat off to him for that. You know, I knew it was going to be tough, and I had to push it and, and do everything I can to get there. And like I said, that's what made me get that win. 
And also another thing he said, he said that, um, and this is this is quite a compliment actually, because you know he was a, a real tough guy. Obviously, went through his whole career never being stopped, and he boxed some good fighters. And I think I think he's only been down once in his whole career, and, and that was against you there. So one thing he said to me was I, that. Um, he said that he felt he felt if he didn't train like a total animal for that fight, you would have probably got him out of there. Which I thought, you know, there's no real reason for him to even come out and say it, but he said that. So that's that's testament to how how well you, how much he rated you, you know. Yeah, no, I and that and that I know for a fact. He had told me that he trained better and harder than he's ever trained ever. And like I said, I, I you can see that. That's what I seen inside that that ring that one time. I said it was a tough guy, came with everything and made me made me work hard for that world title. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously after the you know the, the win, the the excellent achievement that you managed to to achieve winning the world title, after that is where everything did seem to come crashing down. Help me get the timeline right though. I believe you were out the ring for a while because I think you underwent surgery on your right foot. Um am I right in saying that? Yeah, correct. Well, I had after after the world title, um, going back in. Uh, well, after the the waiting, after losing the title on the on the scale, um, that happened. Which I don't know how to explain that. I wish I had an explanation because I feel stupid saying it. You know, because there's no there's no right answer of what really happened. You know, going to bed. Uh, I was a pound over the night before, waking up six pounds over not eating, drinking anything, you know, it's, it's, it's really crazy. You know, it, it hit me hard and to lose the title like that, it just, I, I felt really bad, you know, but, um, you know, going through, going through all that. And then after that, you know, uh, trying to get another fight. If I believe, I don't think I, oh, I mean, and then I think they were going to give me a fight with Negrete at fantasy. And that's when I started having problems with my foot. Well, I was, I've always had problems with my foot. Cause I had, I had a surgery before that and then come, man, I'm confused. I mean, I've gone through so many surgeries now. <laughs> I think after the, um, I think after the Stuart Hall fight, when, when... after the world title, yeah. after the, okay. After the world title, I did have surgery. I had surgery cause they found an, uh, a cyst in my, in the hill of my That's foot. Right. They, they found the cyst. And then from there, um, going, getting back into it, I fought and then, I think I fought a couple fights after that, no? I think you you um obviously won the world title, then that's when you had the uh, the the problem. I think you 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 went through surgery in your right foot, the cyst. Um but then I think you were you'd you'd sort of recovered from it and that's when the Lee Haskins fight was set to take place, which obviously the whole weight thing happened i'm not quite sure what happened after that but i know you underwent try, 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 you underwent try, try. surgery uh in between the yeah okay yeah so that yeah. was that was that surgery well after after the waiting um i started getting another pain in my foot and i dealt with it for a while i was do, dealing with it and then um they offered me a fight with uh when i and i went through it too i went through foot injuries through problems with with uh for the world title as well you know but um luckily it didn't affect me the way it has you know, with the, after, after everything happened and, um, you know, I went through all that and trying to get back and I couldn't do it. I was just pay very painful. And then I was, I was, I was off of it. I didn't work on it. I didn't do nothing. I wasn't getting no pain anymore. And that's when they offered me the De La Hoya fight, uh, Diego De La Hoya. All right. And, um, 
Yeah, we'll come to that in just a sec, if you don't mind, Randy. Okay, okay, That's okay. fine. Um, so, yeah, like I say, just to clear up, if anyone was a little bit confused on the timeline, after winning the world title, that's when um, that's when Randy underwent the, the surgery on, on the right foot. Then he was back, set to take... Uh, set to take um, his first defence against Lee Haskins, obviously a mandatory that was going to be on the Canelo Cotto undercard in Vegas. Um, man, yeah. biggest big card, yeah, exactly. man! It was amazing, amazing I wanna, event. Yeah, I was, I, I was excited, man. I want to ask you because obviously the fight fell through at the last minute like that. Um, do you feel like if you were able to to have made the weight and boxed on a card like that with all the eyes on that on that event? That oh, could have man. catapulted your career Most right Definitely, up there, you know? man. It, that could have changed my whole life, probably. Yeah. You know, I'm not that I'm saying I don't love my life. I love my life to death. I wouldn't change for the world. But, you know, I think it would have changed my life, you know, in some sort, you know, if, if I would have. Because I knew I was more than 100% ready. I woke up that morning feeling like, you know, like any other fight where I was, I was ready to go. I was on weight, ready to make weight, ready to go eat. You know, I, my mind was like, this is it. This is the moment right here. You know, because a lot of fighters, we look at, you know, the weight, the weight, the the scale is, is the first fight, you know, anything can happen. You make weight, you feel good, and then you perform at your best. You know, we're, uh, to me, every fighter is fighting the scale first, and then and then you go in and fight. But, you know, that, that one, I was just, I was well prepared. I was ready to go. I was, man, everything was just great. I felt good through a whole training camp. And then, yeah, from there, just woke up, and my weight was just... <laughs> six pounds and i was like man i, I wasn't going to give up i said i can't give up let's go let's go push it so we went downstairs um i jumped on the treadmill i put a sauna and plastic on everything like that i start running i say within maybe 10 minutes my body was just drained i couldn't i couldn't run no more i couldn't i couldn't keep my body up no more and i was like man what the heck i told my dad hey you know what uh go upstairs to the room turn all the heater on all the hot water on let the room get hot and then we'll start shadow boxing a little bit. So we go back upstairs and um, we start moving around. I was trying to move around. I put the gloves on and he was trying to do the mids. I couldn't lift my arms up. My arms were heavy. Like I was carrying 30 pounds in my hands. Just I, could, I couldn't lift them. And I was like, man, what the heck's going on? I said, you know what? Let's just go back downstairs, go to the sauna, and, and, and we'll just sit in the sauna and drop as much as I can. Sat in the sauna. I was in the sauna for maybe... 20 30 minutes maybe more and i was just like I, my body no sweat my mouth was completely dry no more saliva in my mouth i was trying to chew gum to spit just to lose lose anything i could and i got to the point where i was uh my brother was telling me that uh because i had my little brother next to me the whole time and uh he was he told me that he looked at me and i was just laying in the in the in the sauna room just like shaking shivering and he's like, dude, are you all right? He kept trying to wake me up. Are you all right? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what? And I, I can't. I got kids. I can't risk my life doing that. I said, I, I, I can't push no more. And uh, so I decided, you know what? Let's just go through with it. Let's, hey, whatever happened, happened. I can't, I can't turn back and change it. And, you know, they even gave me the op- option, you know, don't show your face, you know, kind of thing on the scale. I said, you know what? I'm I'm at least gonna show up because I did. I trained hard. I trained very hard for that fight. You know, whatever happened after that, you know, was out of my hands. I don't know what happened, you know. But I had to face my fear and said, you know what? Because I think as I get older, I'm gonna look at myself like I was a coward if I wouldn't have got on the scale and at least weighed myself. And people can say whatever they want. They can, you know, talk shit that I I didn't train right. I wasn't ready. 
you know, I, I got the fame and I, I threw everything away. Like, I was in the top shape of my life for that fight. And, you know, unfortunately that happened. I still told myself, I'm going to face it, get up on scale and take every, all, all, all the criticism I got for it. I'll take it. It's not gonna not gonna bring me down. I still have to get back up and keep moving forward. And like I say, it was obviously a bitterly disappointing way to to lose a world title. Not just you know, I'm sure fans were quite upset and stuff, but obviously nowhere near as upset as yourself. Um, should oh not at all, man. I I kind of went through a lot after that, man. I didn't. I came back from Vegas and I didn't want to see nobody. I didn't want to talk to nobody, man. It was it was just. I rather I rather you put me out of my feet than 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 losing on the scale, man. I, I just, that's the way I feel. And if that fight would have actually took place, obviously Lee Haskins is a tricky customer, a southpaw. How do you think that fight would have gone? That fight wouldn't have lasted long. I, I, I had figured him out already. My, I already got into his head already before that fight, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Nobody, like I said, nobody will ever know what what would have really happened. Because in boxing, you, you can never tell. I can go and sit here and tell you, Oh, I would have, I would have took him out in in in, in three rounds, you know, because we don't know. I don't know how prepared he was for that fight that night, and you know, I was in the top shape of my life. I was ready to give it all I had, whether it was the first round or the last round. I was going to get to. I was going to do whatever I can to win that fight, just to take my title back home. And like I say, it was a shame that we we didn't ever get to see the fight. But like I say, from that whole fight where you won it. Um, won the belt to your next fight there was that 16 month gap because of all this and when you did return it was against Ruben Hernandez um, Ruben Hernandez is still fighting now he's he's the definition really of a tough Mexican you were able to stop him and um, you know guys like Nonito Donaire couldn't get him out of there guys like Michael Conlon who's making a big name for himself right now couldn't get him out of there you did tell us about that one I, I just like I said my, my, my to me my style was more of a breaking a fighter down you know, I don't, I, I, I probably don't hit that hard to, to put someone out in one punch, but my, my main goal is to just break you down physically, mentally, as every round goes down, just to break you down. And, you know, I think, you know, and that's what I did with him. I, I seen that, you know, after I started hitting him, I knew like, oh, he, this guy's not going to take much. So let's keep putting up the pressure, kept putting, picking it up, picking it up. And by the time I was able to stop him. And again, after that, you were you were inactive for a little bit. You were out the ring for 13 months before returning against Jesus Ruiz. Um, obviously, you won unanimously, but the fight was quite close on the scorecards. And then, of course, came your your final fight, which was against the then undefeated Diego De La Hoya. Um, obviously, you'd you'd lose for the first time unanimously. Talk us through that fight, and I'm not trying to make any excuses for you, but on watching that fight, it didn't seem like. The Randy Caballero we we know in that ring most most definitely man I, I think you know looking back at that I, I wish I would have made a smarter decision you know like I said I, I took that fight in not knowing how my foot was because I, I I was off of training I wasn't training you know I knew I could have beat him I, I I just know what kind of, I've sparred him before I know what kind of fighter he is I, I've seen him fight I just knew that fight was wasn't it was a good win for me. Being the fact that his name, good name, you know, of who he is related to, you know, I knew it was, it was great win. I said, I'll take this fight. Went into the fight, signed the contract, went into training camp, and I was started getting problems with my foot. You know, the whole training camp wasn't 100% training camp. You know, being the fact that I couldn't really spar 100%, I couldn't run 100%, you know, but I knew I was, I was still physically knowing that I could beat this guy. I, I was ready. 
and I and I was still I was just sparring guys, and I was I was still able to go through with the pain that I had, you know. But I was still I was still getting calls like, "Hey, understand? Like, there's a big fight. You can't let it go. You know, you 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 can't pull out now." So it's like, "Shit, I gotta I gotta push it through. Let's go. I can't give up." So you know, we we kind of pushed it. We we got through it. Getting to Vegas, I was man, I was great, feeling great. Um, my body felt good. I made weight perfectly fine. I made weight before I even got to Vegas and we got there about a couple of days before doing all the promotion and stuff. So man, I, I felt good. I felt I, I was ready to go. Um, going through the promotion, things started kind of getting a little, a little fishy. I just felt, you know, me being pushed away a little bit. And I was like, ah, whatever, let's just go. Let's go. Um, in the locker room, I had, you know, whatever we're in our locker room getting ready. And uh, all of a sudden, maybe 10, 15 minutes, I had my gloves on, 10, 15 minutes. Big argument goes on in my to my locker room between Golden Boy and my, my team, and things got heated or whatever, and I was just frustrated, pissed or whatever on, on a lot of things. And uh, and that's when I uh, I had, you know, got mad. I was like, you know what, get the fuck out of my locker room. So they kind of they left, and I was already heated from all that, you know, all that emotions going on. So I kind of, uh, you know walked into the fight lost. Like I wasn't even paying attention to the fight. And like I tell my dad, I don't even remember, you know, anything. Like I don't remember anything. My dad telling me, usually I can hear my corner. I don't remember anything from that. And I haven't gone down that memory line. Like I said, people ask me, have you seen the fight? I haven't even seen it. All I remember is I was me stumbling everywhere, you know, not myself. I just wasn't myself was not there. And, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, if if I got hit hard, I don't know what happened. Like I said, I wasn't there that night, which it's sad. I wish I wish I was because it would have been a different outcome. But you know, like I said, you know, you live and learn. You go through stuff. Through this, to this this sport's a hard sport. You know, people think that you know it is just training. You're done. You you're done with you know boxing. It's not easy, man. We go through a lot of you know a lot of tear through our body. A lot of you know, damage outside the ring with business apps. It's, it's just really, really crazy sport. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I love the sport so much. And that's how I got to the business side. It was like, you kind of, you know, don't have that same love for it anymore. And, you know, I had to push myself to get that love back another way, which it didn't. That's why I got to capture a world title. But through the time of boxing, man, it, it's, it's a really bad sport. It's a dirty sport that, you know, it's every man for himself in the sport pretty much. It seems kind of crazy to say, but you're definitely an underachiever in my opinion, you know, because obviously that, that excellent amateur career, turning pro, going to Japan, going to Monte Carlo, beating the likes of uh, of Stuart Hall, and then the injuries that you were plagued with after that, and obviously this fight here, which was a very important fight at the time, um, you know, you, your mind was elsewhere. It's it's, it's kind of a, a an unfortunate way that that period came to oh, an end. Oh, definitely. Um, what have you made? of Diego De La Hoya since that obviously he's now racked up a loss it was an unexpected loss what have you made of his career since being yourself well what I think with with him you know I don't know what and what end if it was a business asset or just him personally whatever issues if he had any issues or whatever but like I said in his shoes I mean, he had just beat a, a, a former world champion that didn't lose a world title you know getting beat undefeated former world champion you know off of a win like that, my mindset would have been like, hey, back to the gym, let's go get a world title. I want a world champion. That's what I want. I, I just beat, I just beat, you know, me, for instance, I just beat Randy from world champion. Let's go. Let's go get a world title. 
you know, that's, that's sort of in my mindset, you know, instead I heard, you know, the team had a lot of issues, weight, not making weight, you know, business issues or whatnot, and, you know, just different stuff. And, you know, it, like I said, they took a different toe in it. And then when they fought, you know, if you're not taking anything away from Ronnie Rios, but, you know, Ronnie, he, he fought a different Ronnie Rios. He fought a, a Ronnie Rios that was hungry. They came back, you know, reset his mind. And, you know, and I, and I said it, watching that fight, aside from, you know, all the things between me and Diego, that fight alone was hard for me to watch. And I tell everybody, aside from, you know, the, 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 the stuff that went on between me and him through everything or whatever, you know, that wasn't him. I don't think that was him that night. And the same thing for myself. When, when I fought Diego, I wasn't myself. And I seen that in him that night that he didn't know where he was at. He had no control of his body. He was just completely gone. If you watch the fight, his face was just lost, getting hit with everything. You know, Diggle doesn't fight like that. He's not the kind of fighter. But, you know, Ronnie Rios figured him out, broke him down, and, 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 and beat him really bad. Yeah. You know, and like I said, this sport, it's a live and learn sport. And, and, I, and I had a hard time watching that fight. You know, just the fact that I knew he wasn't there. It wasn't him that night. You know, whatever issues, you know, he had on the outside or in the gym or whatever, it did affect him because, like I said, it wasn't him that night. And like I say, since that Diego De La Hoya fight, it's it's almost been three years. We haven't seen you in a ring since then, but obviously you haven't officially retired or anything like that. Um, what? Not yet. Not yet. And like I say, at the time you were you were twenty six. I think it was about a week before your twenty seventh birthday. Even now, you're only twenty nine. You're still a young man. What what has what has happened in in the time since that fight up till now? Well, since all that happened, you know, uh, I uh, I actually had surgery after after that fight. Um, you know, dealt with that, got back on my feet, you know, they finally figured out what was wrong with it, got back on my feet and, uh, was ready to come back into the gym, uh, took everything off. I was able to run and everything. And then, uh, like I said, I, I own a barber shop out here and uh, I took all my barbers out to the, the boys and girls club to go get free haircuts. It was right before Christmas and took them out there to go cut hair for free for the kids. And, uh, and everybody was all done. We're all done cutting hair and, at the Boys and Girls Club is a basketball court. Hey, let's play a real quick game. <laughs> I ended up spraining my other ankle, <laughs> and uh, that kept that that took a long time to heal. Man, I was man. I want to say I was I was in pain for five six months maybe, and that was painful. Like I did couldn't walk. It was really bad, and finally now it's a lot better. And uh, you know, like I said, I do still stay in shape, try to run as much. But you know, being the fact that we can't really do much, being with this coronavirus incident. You know, it's not much we can do, but I would love to. I am dying to come back. But at this moment, you know, I got to figure out what's right for myself. You know, when I get back inside the gym, do I still have it? Is my, my mind can tell me, I can, I can tell myself, oh yeah, I can, I can go and win another world title easy, but I got to see how my body feels because I haven't gone in there. You know, I, I sparred recently, actually. Uh, I was dead tired because I haven't really done much being the fact that my foot, when I sprained it, but I, I love being inside the ring. I enjoy it's a passion to be inside the ring. But like I said, if, if when I come to it, when I get back and the head movement, we're able to spar guys that, you know, are really good quality and I'm able to still move around and feel good inside. Then yeah, most definitely I'll give it a try. But if I don't have it and my, my timing's off, then, you know, I, I wouldn't risk my life, man. I got kids, I got, you know, businesses, I live, I live good. And so, you know, I just, I have so much love for the sport. I don't want to run away from it now. 
And you mentioned there about some of the guys you've sparred. Obviously, during this interview, you've mentioned sparring the likes of Diego in the past, the likes of Nanito Donaire. What are some of the other big-name fighters that you've sparred over the years, Randy? Mm, man, I got to spar. I got to get inside the ring with uh, Mikey Garcia. Okay. Which I was a smart, smaller guy, but you know, I was me. It was me putting pressure on him, throwing punches while he, you know, made me miss. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, Abner Mares. Oh, man, there's there's quite a few names I'm blank right now, but yeah, I've got to share the ring with so many great people, man. And even 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 guys that are still coming up, I get to 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 share the ring with to know the different styles of, of each fighter that's in there, man. I just enjoy sharing the ring with people. I, I like to study people, and that, that's what I enjoy doing. And in your professional career, who would you say was the best fighter you boxed? Oh, man. Good question. Never really thought of it. Um, I, I would say the the one fight that, you know, I'll never forget is my world title fight. Not because I won a world title, but like I said, so what it took to got there, like all the stuff that I, I put my body through of, of from when I was a little kid, starting my amateur career at eight years old, getting to, to travel around the U.S. to get to see different places around the world, um, to got me to that moment in my life and to capture a world title, a dream that every fighter wants to dream about and I got to capture it. Like that that's something I'll never forget, man. It's just a moment in my life that, man, I got, I got, I, I pushed it. I never gave up. And, and like I said, man, and someone that pushes it and, and never doubts himself, man, you can accomplish anything. So was, was Stuart Hall the, the, the best fight you ever boxed? I, I, I would, I would honestly have to say, yeah, man. Cause being the fact that, you know, how tough he is, just coming forward, you know, he never gave up. He gave me 12 tough rounds to, to the end of the end of the bell. You know, it was just, a great experience, man. I, I loved enjoying, you know, it was a former world champion, just came off of a loss of, of losing the world title, you know, so, you know, what, what better person to share the ring with it, with a former world champion that, you know, wasn't inactive. He was, he's been active. So it was, it was a great experience, but I enjoy, I enjoyed it so much. And what do you feel was your toughest professional fight? I think, I think in every fight has their different toughness in them. Just because every every style is different, you know, different styles make different fights, and I think, you know, as as in every fight I've I've had to go through, they were different toughness. Um, off the top of my head, I couldn't give you a name, but like I said, I, I've had my my issues in, inside the ring differently in each fight. You know, we all go through. You can't have a great night. You, I can stop somebody in the first round, but there's still something that you should have did and fixed in the, in that in that fight. You know, we all have our differences. Everybody's toughened in, in in every different way. And would you say you've got any regrets at all about your pro career? If you could go back and change anything, would you would you go back and change anything? If so, what would that be? Mm, not at all, man. I, I, I have always told myself growing up, you know, whatever I do, I do it. You know, I, I don't live in no regrets. You know, I tell myself, whatever I go through, you know, I went through them. I learned from them. Don't do them again if they're not choices you want to make. You know, everything I went through, it's a living learning process. You know, who knows what's right and what's wrong. And whatever I got, got put in front of me, I said, hey, let's do it. Never turn anything down. Uh, I took the, the opportunity for everything. And, you know, like I said, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't, I, I can't say I regretted anything. I did everything I had to. Like I said, I captured a world title. I, I accomplished the top of the top 
for for any fighter that, that grows up and, and wants to dream of. But you know, I like I said, I do think there's more that I can still accomplish. But I'm not gonna look back and say, hey, you know, I could have won a world title. I did. So you know, I I like I said, I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, that's the best answer. That's that's the way I like to look at life as well, having no regrets and learning from from mistakes and past experiences. Um you mentioned that obviously you're 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 running a barber shop now. It's called El Matador Cuts. Um what made you want to get into that? Um at the point when I was younger, I was like, man, I got to invest my money in something and uh, I was at my barber shop where I was getting my haircut one time and I heard the guys talking and uh and they were like Hey, we want to move shops. And one of my barber came up to me and said, Hey, you have the money for it, right? Like, why don't you open it? It's a good investment. They kind of ran the numbers, you know, stuff like that. And I said, You know what? Ah, let's do it. What I got to lose? So I said, uh, Let's run with it. So I start looking for shops. I look, look for different locations. The mission, just trying to find places. Because it's, I went into something I didn't know nothing about. Nothing. Just, I, I, I talked to a group of guys where I, it was about, I think, five of them. And I was going to put seven stations in there. I was going to run with five guys and they were going to run my shop. They were going to help me run it. They they were ready to go. I, I, I thought Mimo opened his shop. I had my five guys ready to go. I was going to make money right off the back. Um, got the, got, got the location. I called the guys and said, Hey, this is the location. What do you guys think? Oh, it's perfect. Let's go. We were ready to go. Started buying everything for the inside, the chairs, the stations, remodeling the whole place, you know, clean it up. Everything looked nice. Um, Call them and said, "Hey, next week it's ready to go." Uh, you know what? We're not going to end up going with you. <laughs> I said, "What? What do you mean? Like, I just I opened a barbershop because you guys told me. Like, I I invested money into this. Like, you're going to tell me you're not going to come after all? Nah, nah. We just don't think it's right right now." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So me sleepless nights, man. I didn't go to sleep, stress, trying to figure out what am I going to do? How am I going to run the shop? I don't have barbers. I don't know how to cut hair. I've never went to school for it. You know, I had a set of team that was going to move. What am I going to do now? I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So, uh, I start going and I start looking for barbers online, looking for different barbers, you know, trying to find good barbers, you know, someone that wasn't going to make my shop look bad, you know? So I went, found some, you know, kids that were going to school at the time. I got, brought them into the shop, started building the name, started promoting it. And that's when, at the time I was, I was, uh, fighting. So that was perfect promotion for me, man. I have the best promotion to promote something is I'm fighting when I fight here at fantasy. Boom. That's, that's big, man. It's, it's, it's local. It's, it's perfect. So I ran with it. I, I, I promoted it. Um, shop started getting bigger. Um, I ran through different barbers having, you know, barbers that weren't, you weren't ready to be barbers. You know, I just wanted a great place. You know, my, my idea of the shop, too, was was a man cave. Somewhere, you know, a guy can just get away from home, cut their hair, and just enjoy it. Talk about, you know, just men stuff. Let let off whatever's on your chest. Let it out. You know, if you can't take do it at home, you know, we had a pool table. We had, you know, video games council set up. You've got TVs. You know, it was just, just like I said, it's a man cave. It's a place to just go and relax. You know, and that's that's was my envision, and that's what it is still today. You know, we get guys who just go out just to hang out, you know, get a haircut. And they'll just hang out for a couple hours, play pool, you know, and it's just it's a great environment, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't easy, man. It was it's a tough business to go through. You know, it's it, it's great if you have, you know, the team that I have now, the best team I've ever had in, in years. You know, I've had I've had this team for about, you know, going on a year. 
And, you know, I, it's just you got to have that right team to make a business run. And, and the team I have now, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world, man. No, that's excellent to hear. It's great that you've uh, gone from that, that, that you know, the, the, the time where the barbers all, all left and, and didn't want to work for you. And now everything's going well. That's great to hear. Um, have you have you learned to cut hair yourself now or not? <laughs> no, man, I've had this shop for going on six years. And even my barbers tell me, dude, why don't you just learn how to cut hair? Like, you're always here. You're just bumming it with, with us hanging out. Like, why don't you learn how to cut hair? And, you know, I I think I should. But, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know, scared someone's going to get mad I cut their hair wrong or something. I'm going to have to knock them out right there in the chair. No, I'm playing. <laughs> if you knew how to cut hair right now during this coronavirus, you'd be more popular now than you was when you beat Stuart Hall. <laughs> oh, man, of course I definitely would, man. I, I think everybody needs to check them out. I own a barbershop, and my my barbers are, are you know, they, uh, are, are just home, you know, wanting to go back, eager to go back to work, man. They're dying to just go back to the shop because that's their second home. That's where they en- enjoy being, working, making money, just enjoying enjoying being there because they all joke around there, and you know, you know, they. I think I think it would be a better better thing for me to do to to go get my license to to be a barber because you know it, it's just like I said, it's 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 great money, you know just talking to different people and because like, like when i'm there people just ramp just talk about different stuff about my career different boxing they just love and that's what i love about barbershops you go out there and that's what you want to talk about just talk about you know just men stuff just stuff they like people like to do man and just conversate for for, for hours there yeah like i say that typical barbershop conversation who would have won prime mike tyson prime ali but in your barbershop it's all about oh, it's definitely. all about randy caballero which is which is what i really <laughs> like just coming down to the last couple of questions definitely. randy um obviously you know you you've made it clear you're definitely not ruling out a comeback but as time goes on um you know Obviously, time goes on, you, you become more rusty, whatever. With this coronavirus thing, it's like the worst thing possible that can happen if you're still undecided on what you're going to do. In your head, have you got any kind of Most have you got any kind of cutoff point where you're going to say, no, it's it's been too long now, forget it? Like, how much longer are you giving yourself to make up the you know the the big decision? I guess the the big um, yeah decision. Well, once I, once I get back, you know, I being the fact that gym is not even open, nobody can go to the gym you know, with everything going on, you know, like I said, I still stay in shape. I'm still moving around, not a hundred percent, you know, you know, sparring or anything. Cause we can't really spar, but once I, once I get back inside the gym, sparring, getting my body back to feeling, I, I'm not going to wait too long. Like I said, I've been out for, for a very long time already. You know, how much more can my body take of being out? you got these young fighters that are coming up that, that are hungry, that are going to come with everything. You know, my, my experience, it, t- it takes a toll too. So, you know, I, I got a lot to take, in consideration so you know when the time's right i'll let it out but to me man i I don't want to leave the sport of boxing even if it's not inside the ring just to be right there on the sideline commentating fights would would be something big i want to start doing you know i've gotten to do a couple with with golden boy well quite a few actually you know and i i just enjoy it just just enjoy being there talking about boxing you know talking about the fight as as it goes on you know it's a great feeling i enjoy it and I'm going to put you on the spot a tiny bit here, but this is a question we like to ask to everyone that we speak to from overseas. The UK listeners love to hear the answer to this question. Um, who's your <laughs> favorite UK fighter? It can be of any era. It can be a guy that's retired a hundred years ago, any era. Um, who springs to mind when I ask your favorite fighter from the UK? 
the first one that probably always runs through my head would be Ricky Hatton. Oh yeah. Uh, just a tough, tough guy, man. He's a great fighter. You know, I just enjoy love watching a fight because he just gave it his all, man. Just coming forward, just put on a fight. Love to please the fans, man. That's what he was about. He was about his his people, and that's what I loved about watching him. Yeah, very exciting fighter, and you're certainly right. He was a man of the people, and just finally, and, that's, and that was my era when I was growing up uh, with boxing. I got to see him, you know, watch. That was that was the superstar then at the time. <laughs> And just finally, Randy, if you've got any closing words at all, just before I let you go, obviously this this interview will be mainly listened to to guys here in the UK. I'm sure you know UK boxing fans are some of the best in the world. I'm sure you've you've probably interacted uh, with many over man. the years. I, What's your message to I've, your, I've, your fans? I've, I have, man. I have. I want to thank I want to thank all of my all, all my fan base out there in the UK, man. I appreciate all the love, support. You know, from when I've traveled out there and Monte Carlo, just seeing so much of those people, whether it was good or bad, you know, I enjoyed, like I said, you guys are part of my, my journey that I, that I went through. I appreciate all the support that was, that was there next to me. And, uh, you know, I would love, I know how much of a fan base you guys are about sports in general. You know, I would even want to go out there and go to a soccer game. Cause in, I just see the way things get, even with boxing, soccer is so big. So, you know, I, I appreciate all the support. Hopefully when I come back, I still get that same love and support. You certainly will, I'm sure. Believe me, boxing misses you. The UK fans would love to have you back over here. If thank you, you do come you, to a soccer game, I'll definitely take you to one if you come back over to the UK, Randy. But listen, it's been a real... Oh, man, don't tell me that because I'm going to take you up for that one, man. It will happen. happen. <laughs> listen, we can do it. But listen, Randy, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you this week and going over your career. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope that we can catch up again real soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, and this wraps up episode 237 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Hassim Rackman Jr. has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former IBF Bantamweight World Champion, Randy Caballero. Remember, if you've got any topics you'd like us to discuss on next week's podcast, send them in to us on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. But that's about everything from myself. Remember to stay safe, try to enjoy your weekend this weekend, people, and we shall I'll see you all again next week.